I think a lot of conversation with yourself around what it is you want to accomplish in your life is critical. I think we can be our worst enemies by telling ourselves what we can't do. And I think we should focus on telling ourselves what we can do and how great we are. Amy Schechter is the CEO of the on-demand in-home beauty service Glam Squad and an accomplished entrepreneurista. But despite being in a leadership role of a fast-growing company that's recently expanded beyond the home and launched 50 SKUs and is now in 6,000 stores, Amy will tell you that listening and learning before taking action and being a perpetual student make you a better leader and a better professional. Coming up, you'll hear the interview process that landed Amy the job at Glam Squad. Glam Squad's unconventional lab. Why there's a need for women to take more risks in business. Why a proper handshake, which is not something that everyone is taught, is critical. An essential beauty tip that's close to home. And why getting on the rocket ship when someone asks is worth it. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women executives or intrapreneistas are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Amy, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. As I've already shared with you when you just walked in here before, I'm probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Glam Squad fan. So I was the 500,000th customer. Yeah, thank you. It's so (laughs) exciting to be here. And I'm so excited to meet you in person because I've only seen pictures of you. Here here I am, right? (laughs) Um, So I really want to hear about how you became the CEO of Glam Squad because you've been with the company now since the summer of 2016, correct? And your background, you worked in fashion, fitness, and then started at Glam Squad. So how did that happen? So I was working at another company and traveling a lot. And it was um, difficult for my family. I um, We made the decision as a family to begin to slow back the travel. I've spent a lot of time on the road with different businesses that I've worked for. And um, as a result, we, I started to look at what would be interesting to me as a next step. As you said, I have a very interesting background in so many different kinds of businesses, most of them high growth, most of them in need of brand building, and really wanted to find something for me that I was passionate about, that I connected with, and also something that was modern. And um, as I started to make my list, I said, wow, you know, Glam Squad would be an amazing company to work for. This is a true story. Fast forward two weeks later, I got a phone call from a recruiter who said, you probably haven't heard of this little digital company. It's on-demand beauty services. And I was like, Glam Squad, I want to take the job. You put it into universe. You have to to interview first. And I was like, oh, yeah, but I want this job so badly. Um, And so I got the job because I was a power user of the brand. I loved, loved the Beauty Pro community. I love the mission of helping women look and feel good. Like how can you not aspire to be a part of a company like that? And I also love the fact that it was a digitally native brand. And most of my experience to that point had been in more consumer-driven businesses. 
What was that interview process like to become the CEO of Glam Squad? It was lengthy. Um, there was a founding team, and they wanted to make sure they brought on not only a great operator, but somebody that had brand affinity, someone who could understand where the company was going, and um, and also be the kind of leader that they wanted for this beauty pro community as well as the the team within the organization. So, um, lots of meetings. I. I had already, um, through my, um, use of Glam Squad taken notes around things that I thought were appropriate for the brand. And, um, I went to my first interview with a notebook of things that I had written as a consumer, like, Oh, this is great. And this isn't great. And, um, what was on the but, list? Um, things like I, I really felt like the company should sell product and get into the products business because as a power user of the brand, every time a beauty pro left, I would buy something. You know, I would buy a lipstick or an eyeshadow or hairspray because it, my hair looked so good and I couldn't do it that well on my own. I thought for sure if I bought the hairspray, I could do it that well. It wasn't always the case, but um, I really felt as though we had the opportunity as an influential brand, um, Glam Squad had the opportunity to sell products. So that was one of the things on the list of many, many different things that I thought would be appropriate for next steps and the next iteration of the company. Well, you did turn that idea into a reality because over the past few months, you did just launch product. We did. Can you tell us about what that process was like? Because you came onto the company three and a half years ago, but now you have just launched products. So I know it takes time to develop product, test the market. What is that whole process like? It took longer than we ever anticipated. Um, we launched product probably a year after I started, and we made the decision to do it on our own. So 100% proprietary. Um, fragrance alone, you know, to ensure you that you get the right fragrance for your consumer, it took us a really long time. Huge learning for me. Um, and we, as a company, when I got to the company, we had all this data around consumers' preferences. You know, what women liked in eyeshadow and lipsticks and hairspray and dry shampoo. And so we started to take all of this feedback from our appointments and distill it into what are the big things that we can learn from what consumers want. And this wasn't coming from, you know, a lab somewhere else. Our lab was the consumer's home and our beauty pros. And so what we say is we're about, we're very close to doing, you know, our millionth appointment, one millionth appointment. And we are saying that, you know, we have all of this information from our service appointments that created our micro lab. And for product development to be curated from our beauty pro community, we have almost 2000 beauty pros. And from all of these appointments, it's really a very unique product development proposition and nothing like it exists in the beauty industry. All I have in my head right now is what are the odds I can be the one millionth customer? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm not going to tell you what is going to happen. Yeah, what is that happening? happening? 
not saying, um, but yeah, we're getting close. <laughs> and you've recently partnered with CVS to launch another line of beauty products. Can you tell us more about that partnership? Yeah, so sure. So we launched, we partnered with CVS a couple of years ago with the idea that we shared a similar mission to democratize beauty. CVS has really gone full force with Beauty IRL, you know, no editing on photos that are used in store, and really taking a very um, modern approach to how they're doing beauty. And one thing that they care a lot about is something that we care about, which is helping women look and feel their best. And so we started to talk about the idea of the white space and services at an accessible price point. And we tested four stores over the course of a year uh, with express services. So everything is under $35 and everything is less than 30 minutes. So if you live in a community where you don't have access to Glam Squad, you actually have the opportunity to get a very affordable, fast, and um, less expensive version of Glam Squad. They're Glam Squad trained um, pros. They are go through um, the same kind of rigorous onboarding process. And um, CVS is disrupting the Mastige beauty industry um, with services first. And then we started to talk about, we saw the white space in the idea of offering a socially relevant, inclusive, modern Mastige beauty brand. There are a lot of heritage brands as you walk the aisles. And we said, wouldn't it be cool to create a brand that didn't look and feel anything like these brands? That were, it was a modern approach, super playful, um, very conversational, and really um, disrupt these beauty aisles. And um, that's what we did. So we launched with about 50 SKUs. We just launched a few weeks ago. It's doing incredibly well. And it's, you know, very colorful, super modern. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but playful and fun. And we think a terrific opportunity for a younger demographic who's shopping in a store like CVS to have this um, brand that really resonates with their mindset. How did you choose which CVS locations to launch in? So um, we worked with CVS and they, of course, wanted to ensure the success of this um, great brand. And so they they we wanted to focus in our, our markets first, of course, where we have brand awareness and um, Glam Squad services. So the majority of the stores with um, services are in our existing markets. And then with product, we opened up and we're in 6,000 stores. That's so exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> As the CEO of this very fast-growing brand, I would imagine your day-to-day is pulling you in a lot of different directions. What is a typical day in the life like? So I'm sure you've heard this before, but there is no typical day when you are in a startup. Some days you are fundraising and some days you are cleaning the bathrooms and some days you are outlining and defining strategy and vision. But um, for sure, it is about being um, steadfast with our strategic vision for um, helping women access 
um, looking good and feeling good. And um, for shareholder value, absolutely bringing uh, to fruition our KPIs, um, our key performance indicators, and um, ensuring that we meet our financial accountability. But some days I can be helping with marketing. I can be at a photo shoot. I can be doing something like this. I can be speaking to investors. Um, every day is really a different kind of day. Can you share with us a little bit about your experience working at some of the other companies and how that experience led you to be able to become the CEO of this company? Part of it was really becoming educated in a multidisciplinary background. So having experience in operations and marketing and finance and um, fundraising, you know, having that a broad spectrum spectrum of accountabilities definitely prepares you for taking a leadership role where you have accountability to all of those functional areas. And I was fortunate enough to be able to zigzag a little bit in my career. I've been in merchandising, I've been in operations, I've been in marketing, and that's not a traditional um, career path. Uh, most people get into a particular lane and stay in it, but I was very opportunistic with things that were considered a little bit riskier and also outside of my definitive line of responsibility and experience and took the risk to learn. Um, I I was thinking about in preparation for this conversation, thinking about, you know, some of the quotes that resonate with me and the one from Sheryl Sandberg where she says, if you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, you don't ask which seat. You get on and you go. And I think that describes how I've approached the different opportunities that I've had. You know, of course there's been anxiety and concern about you know not having all of the skills, but at the end of the day, it's taking the risk and believing in your ability to bring something to fruition. Have you had mentors along the way throughout your career? I would say that my mentor community is vast. Um, my mentors range from friends who offer counsel around, you know, determining where to go next, um, to people within my network that, you know, help me find, you know, a person in a particular role if we're looking to fill a position, um, to true mentors who have shaped how I think about my personal brand. And I was very young when a wise sage said to me, your brand is as important as the brand that you work for. And I never thought of myself as a brand until that point. And thinking about your brand, how you look, how you represent yourself, what you say and how you say it, and the company that you keep has a lot to do with your persona. And I never really thought of, you know, a person being a brand. And this mentor of mine, you know, sat me down and said, you know, you are embarking onto the journey of being a personal brand. And so now you have to think about how you're going to curate it throughout your, your journey. How would you define your personal brand? Um, I, I think that, 
it starts with values, which, you know, are very important to me. And I don't really uh, waver too much from those core values. And I think, you know, being a good person and a kind person is something that is always important. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, I've actually had people say to me, you have to be a little bit more of a jerk. And um, I don't really believe that. I don't believe that. I think people believe that maybe out there, but I don't believe that you have to be a little bit more of a jerk. I think that you can win an argument and be successful without being a jerk. Um, I think having being empowered and um, giving empowerment and taking some of that empowerment is critical to to my brand, but also I think for people out there, I think empowerment is critical. I also think that um, being a risk taker, you know, not necessarily going down um, the path that is expected, but um, down a path that is um, feels more personally um, powerful and uh, mission-based. You know, I really appreciate being a part of a company that is doing good for the world or for the community in which it exists. And I think that's really important. Coming up, you'll hear why women may need to take more risks. Do you feel that you were born a risk taker, you were always this way, or did something happen at some point in your career that just led you to want to keep taking these risks and challenges? Uh, There's a Harvard business case study that states that men will take the next step and take a risk if they have 40 to 50% of the skills for the required job. Women go through the job requirement, and they have to have 100% of the skills required to take that next step. And I don't know why that is the case, but I fall into the camp of having a high propensity for risk-taking. I think it is something that um, I've always been comfortable with. I have... I think a family that encouraged me to take risks and to believe in myself. And so I don't think, why shouldn't I do this? I think, why should I do it? And I, I think if, if people out there are thinking about a, a role change or, you know, doing something that's scary, I think you have to have a conversation with yourself and start there and say, you know, these are the things I can do in this job. These are the things I can't do. But are, are any of those things impossible for me to learn on the job? And that's what men do. They like look at the profile of the position and they say, well, I know Jim and Jim can help me with that. And I think, you know, my dad can help me with that. And, you know, they go through it and that's how they look at the criteria. And they say, I know enough of this. I can do it. And I think women have to shift their mindset to what is, what are the things that I bring to this position and um, the other things, can I learn them? You know, is it something where I can access my network and the people within my community to get through the things that I don't know how to do as well? How did you develop this mindset? Did you always think this way and have these beliefs? 
I think I did have this mindset early on. You know, I wasn't afraid to leave an institutional job to go to a startup. And that, and I was really young. I really thought I knew everything. It could be an entrepreneur. So I think it's a little bit inherent in me, but I also think it's a skill that I have definitely, um, done some physical and mental activity around, you know, getting coaching and training and, um, really reading as much as I could about it. I do think it's interesting that men are, um, more likely to take risks. And I, I, I think it is something that women have to hear about and change their mindset around because there is no reason why that should be the case. And so I think we should go out there and tell women to take more risks. I love that. Do you spend time interviewing potential candidates at Glam Squad now? I do. Um, I like to meet everybody that's coming into the organization. Culture is, you know, critically important to us and ensuring that people have passion for what we're trying to do is very important. So I don't spend the same amount of time with every single person coming into the company, but I do try to meet with a new employee within the first couple of weeks of them being in the organization and having that one-on-one time. I also have, uh, my team will tell you, I have a, an, a pretty open, open door policy. Um, if somebody wants to talk to me, if they've made, um, the, taken the initiative to say to me, I'd really like to get 15 minutes of your time. I will absolutely give you 15 minutes of my time. And I also think that it's really important to understand what people within the organization want next, because we're there to help foster their personal brand. And so we want to make sure that we know what it is from their direct manager, but also within the senior leadership group of our company that we should know what what it is they're looking to do next, because especially in a startup, you can always take on a little bit more and you can um, rehearse for the job that you don't have by doing it a little bit. So we like to provide that opportunity as well. Can you share any tips or advice on interviewing potential candidates and how you know when you meet someone that they could be a really great fit? So I would say research before any job interview is critical. Know who it is you're going to meet. Know as much as you can about the company. I love it when Somebody I'm interview, interviewing says, oh, you know your quote in Forbes when you said XXX? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you did your homework. I appreciate that. Or when somebody will say, I've seen that you just hit your 500,000th appointment. How did you feel about that? Where they know the inner workings of the organization or at least have done their homework, I think that's really critical. The other thing I will say is um, come prepared, and it doesn't mean just with notes, but come prepared. Come with the right handshake, come with the right look and feel, um, and come with the right energy. I think giving out positive juju is really important to me. And so um, if you had a bad day, leave it at the front door. I think putting good energy out there is critical and important. And 
If you know anything about me, a handshake is critical. I mean, I... What's a good handshake? uh, Nothing worse than the fishy handshake. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I have a whole series on helping young women have the right handshake. It, it It is definitely something that girls and women are not taught. Um, for the most part, we were just Some talking are. about this recently. I forget, yeah. yeah, I forget what it was, but we were having this exact conversation. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important. I when when I am given like the princess hand, you know, the fingertips mm. where it's like kiss the ring. I I often think to myself, oh my goodness, uh, how did this happen? Yeah. And it doesn't. To be honest with you, it's it's not just women; it's men and women. Um, when someone is like limp in my hand and they don't greet me back with some kind of firm we have to handshake, do a handshake, I always tell um, people that when we talk about handshakes, I do some counseling for up and coming um, college kids and high school kids who are going out on their first interviews. And I have this whole section within my discussion with them around the perfect handshake. And I always start with what is the most important thing? about a handshake. And everybody says firm hand, hard grip, all of that. But actually, the most important thing is looking the person in the eye and acknowledging them. Up next, what women are not typically taught that is essential to business success. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. Something that Stephanie and I like to do with all of our guests is surprise and delight them. Uh, So we actually got a gift for you. Uh, It's next to your chair in the Entrepreneurista swag bag. And I also wanted to thank you for hooking me up this morning and and sending Glam Squad to my house. It made me feel so good to just get glammed up at 7.30 in the morning. I literally just laid there. And I almost fell asleep. You know, literally <laughs> don't, I really didn't have to do anything. It was Aww, so nice. I'm so glad. You look beautiful, too, Thank by you. The way. Thank you. Look you look so good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, check out, check out what oh. we got you. Oh, thank you. I have to read my card. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, of course. <laughs> thank you. And this is my gift. Let's see what it is. Yes, open it up. So I'm opening this beautiful pink tissue paper. <gasps> oh, and it's monogrammed and personalized. Thank you so much. You're Aww. so welcome. So it's a monogrammed yeah. jewelry box for you. Thank you so much. Yes. It has my initials on it and it also has the moon and the stars on it because I'm very <laughs> spiritual. So I don't know if you know that or not, but that was... Very, I'd very love to ch- learn actually more about that because I want to be more spiritual and in going into the new year and and I would love to learn more about your spiritual side. Yeah. So, um, you know, I totally believe in the power of positive thinking and the ability to make things happen through um, good intention. I think intention is really important. I think how you show up every single day is really important. I talked about good juju in a meeting. I think, you know, having that regardless of what's going on in your day is really important. Um I really think that meditation is beneficial. Um, I very often use it um, in the morning. Sometimes I have to use it in the evening, <laughs> depending upon the day. Um, I think being healthy, I'm vegan. And I think what you eat has a lot to do with who you are. 
So um, I think, you know, the whole mind-body experience is critical. Um, yoga is really important. I came from a yoga company. Um, I think fitness is a critical um, aspect of feeling good inside. And um, I think a lot of conversation with yourself around what it is you want to accomplish in your life is critical. I think we can be our worst enemies by telling ourselves what we can't do. And I think we should focus on telling ourselves what we can do and how great we are. So um, positive mantras. And I would say the other thing is the importance of breath. Um, we, I'm going to share a little secret with you. We had a really big meeting coming up um, as a, a, an exec team. And we did a breathing session together before the meeting. And we focused our energy, we focused our breath, and we got aligned through breathing. And I think we were in the lobby of this place that we were meeting with, and we we're all like in the corner, sitting next to each other, like focused on each other and focused on breathing. And um, I think they thought we were crazy, but we had an amazing meeting. It was an incredibly powerful meeting. And we really believe it was a result of you know, the deepness of our breath and the alignment of our energy. So you brought this whole new energy to Glam Squad when you started and brought in all of the positivity, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was there. Yeah. I wouldn't join a company where it didn't exist. I think there was a lot of positive energy. I think it's a company that's always been um, built on the foundation of helping women look and feel their best. And I think everybody's pretty committed to it. What is your favorite mantra or quote? So I think the one I just shared about Cheryl is definitely like if somebody offers you a ride in a rocket ship, don't ask them what seat you have, just get on the rocket ship. I think that's one of my favorites. There's also another Cheryl Sandberg one around being a perpetual learner. I think always being a student and acknowledging that regardless of where you are in your journey, you can learn from others makes you a better leader. And I will say that um, we take good ideas from anywhere within the organization. And um, and I consider myself a perpetual student. I love that. And if you can give our audience one essential beauty tip, what would it be? Get Glam Squad right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you do Glam Squad every morning? So I don't do it every morning. I I do it when I have meetings. Um, but I, you know, if if I need a feel good moment for me, it is getting a blowout. But it was before I came to Glam Squad as well. Like, look at your hair. You, I got so many compliments on my Instagram. Oh my gosh! Like, and in person all day today, everyone was like, "Courtney, where are you going today?" She's like, "Nowhere." Oh, but so I had Glam Squad to meet with you. <laughs> but but don't you feel good? As yes, a result, yes. I mean, you look amazing. Your hair looks amazing. And I don't know. I just think that if there are days where I just need that extra va-va-voom, I get a blowout. And I have that moment to communicate with our beauty pros. They're so amazing. We have the best beauty pros in the industry. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. They're kind. They're experienced. They love doing what they do. And they just give you such good energy. It's it is the best beauty tip I could give anybody. Really. I I have to agree with you, and I'm not biased. <laughs> I was already a customer before we had this interview. I've been using Glam Squad for years, and there's it's my favorite necessary indulgence. Yes, <laughs> in my opinion, I agree. 
And what are you most excited about that's coming up for Glam Squad that you can share with us? So I I think this product journey is something that's really amazing. The fact that we've taken a beauty tech platform that's focused on services and now launched products is something that I think completely changes the beauty industry and it will change the Glam Squad business, not only from a sales and margin perspective, but, you know, your Glam Squad is there even when the beauty pro isn't there. And so that expertise that you get every single time you get a blowout, you now get in our blowout lotion or you get it in our hairspray because your hair will last longer. So to me, it's really exciting to know that we can go into the homes where we don't have Glam Squad active yet because we can go in with product and we can change the complexion of the beauty industry with a brand that is going to come up through the beauty professional and consumer community. And final question, what does being an intrapanista mean to you? So um, I thought about that quite a bit when I saw, once I got, I found out what an intrapanista was. And um, I think that it has a lot to do with being humble and coming into an organization where there are founders and learning, listening, and then adding value. And so for me, I have worked with many founder owners before and taken a business from the founder state to a growth state. And I think part of the success that I've had is really listening and learning before taking action and building a roadmap that resonates not only for me, but resonates with the people in the community that existed before I got there. And then the other thing I would say is um, being really passionate and excited about where you're going. I am so excited about the next iteration of Glam Squad. I think about it every day and I'm excited every day. I'm sure you guys have the same feeling. Look at what you're doing a year into it, where you were and where you are. And the next set of um, things that you check off as your accomplishments are just going to be more momentum for the next road in front of you. And I think that it's really important to constantly be pumping yourself up and moving into the next area of pursuit. Oh, I absolutely love that. And thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your story and inspiring all of our listeners. I know I'm inspired by everything that you shared today. Where can everyone find you, follow you and Glam Squad, and of course, book their next appointment? Of course. Most importantly, book your next appointment. We'll be offering a code for new users and repeat users on this feed. So please take advantage of it if you're in one of our six markets. If you're not, then please buy the product because you'll be able to take advantage of having Glam Squad even though the pro isn't there. The other thing I would say is I am eager and open on LinkedIn because um, a lot of people reach out to me through that vehicle. I love being in touch with that community, but also through, through Instagram, of course. But um, I think women should maximize their usage of LinkedIn because it's a network and a community that we don't have as much access to. And so um, 
go in there and find the people that resonate with you and what risk is it to send them an email. So I am totally open to being contacted through LinkedIn and I always get back to people. I love it. Well, I'm connecting with you right after, right after the recording. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah, for being here. You. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the most glam business meeting we've ever had. Thanks for listening. 